Well, good morning, everyone. So awesome to be here with you again this morning, just to be able to celebrate uh, the presence of the Lord here today. And I just want to say this today, that we are just called to give God the glory. Amen? And I believe we need to prepare ourselves. We even heard the word of the Lord today. I was, as I was coming in, I heard the word about just God's fire and refining and the new song that we sang. We need to prepare ourselves for God's glory, to prepare ourselves to carry the glory of the Lord wherever we go. Because the glory of God is his manifestation of his presence and his power. And I believe as followers of Jesus, that is what God has called us to be. Now I'm excited for our team train after uh, after we have this gathering today. And I want to encourage you to come and be a part of that. I think this is for everybody in our church because what is the, uh, my uh, statement as I've been saying as we're doing this series called Be a Builder, it's this. Believers are builders. Believers are builders. And what are we called to build? I believe that as believers, we are called to build our lives together in a focused, Jesus-focused community called the church or sometimes referred to the house of God, that God has called us as his people to be those that build his house. And it says this in Psalms chapter 123, in the first part of verse one, it says, unless the Lord builds a house, the labor is wasted or in vain in other translations. It's saying unless Jesus Christ is our foundation, we will run into problems. And as I shared last week, Unless we build our lives around Jesus and the word of God, we will not be able to withstand the storms that most assuredly we will face in our lives. Who here has faced a few storms in your life over the years? If you haven't, it's just part of, what's going, of where we're at in the world today, and it's going to happen. So as we start today, I want to share some truths that I've learned over the years about relationships and marriage. Who here likes to hear like, marriage and relationship cheats here a little bit. That's what I, I want to give you, some hacks. And here's what I've learned is just like it takes two people to build a healthy marriage or relationship, it requires two people sometimes to put certain pieces of Ikea furniture together. <laughs> now, I have to be honest with you. I have to be, come clean here today. I didn't always believe that was true. For many years, I thought I could build anything by myself and without directions. Now, for those who, uh, why? Because I believe this, a real man doesn't need anyone to help them, especially with something as simple as an Ikea desk. And you see where I'm going with this? Well, for those who hold this philosophy like I did, uh, the Ikea is an acronym for why I keep eating alone. Okay, here you go. When you work by yourself, though, you have to be honest, when you work by yourself, it's great because you can get stuff done like the way that you like to do it, right? Nobody hovering over your shoulder or coaching you on how to do your job, just your thoughts with your tools. <laughs> oh, that's a great thing. Now, I love my wife and I like doing many things with her, but we had this desk project, that came, this desk that came from Ikea, and I thought it would just be something that I could do by myself. It would just be better if I did it by myself. And bless her heart, she offered many times to help me, and every time I let her know that everything was great, and I didn't need her help 
as this project was a piece of cake. Ever, guys, come on, being honest, ever got yourself into that place? You're just like, ah, I've got this. I don't need anybody to help me. Well, at least it started that way until I realized, until I realized that the desk was much bigger, 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 bigger and heavier than my previous desk. This monster was four feet in length, three feet wide with a desktop that weighed 60 pounds. Now, after navigating the smaller sections, I came to an awkward spot where I, I needed to join both sides together as well as the top of the desk. And even though the directions clearly stated that it needed two people, I still believed that in my man wisdom, I could get it done by myself. So I attempted to join both sides together. I held them on one side, and I actually put the desk, the top of the desk on my back. And as I was trying to, as I was trying to, to grab the screws and put the screws into the thing, right before that moment, my wife came out and said, hey, honey, do you need some help? No, I got this. Well, as I was sweating and trying to balance, eventually the inevitable happened. The whole thing collapsed. It went down my back. It hit my legs. And as I lay on the floor a bit confused, my wife could not stop laughing. <laughs> as she suggested, things might have gone a little bit better with her help. Who here knows that a wise builder knows that it requires the right people working together to build something great? In the Bible, King Solomon was not only known for his incredible wisdom and knowledge, but also because he had extravagant wealth. Well, and he also had 700 wives. That'll get people's attention. And because of both his wealth and his knowledge, he is credited with constructing one of the most magnificent and opulent structures ever built, the temple of the Lord, also known as Solomon's temple. Now, we have to understand, this building was so big that at its peak, as they were building it, it took 180,000 workers to facilitate the construction. Now, for those of you who work in payroll, imagining the hours needed to be accounted for there. But to show how grand and opulent this building, here were a few of the items that were used. It had 60 million pounds of silver, worth in today's dollars, $22.2 billion. It had 6 million pounds of gold. You want to guess what that is worth in today's dollars? $268 billion. It had iron and stone and timber, the Bible says, too great to account for, along with handcrafted bronze and ivory and fine linens and numerous precious gems. The temple required seven years to complete at a cost in today's finances of over $400 billion. Nothing was like it that is comparable in its time or even in history. And as great and as majestic as the temple of the Lord was, it was not built to honor a man or to reveal the brilliance of human engineering. No, this building was designed to be the earthly home of the one true God, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And it was a structure that was designed and built to house 
the presence of God Almighty. We see this in 1 Kings, starting in chapter 7 of verse 51, and it says, When all the work King Solomon had done for the temple of the Lord was finished, he brought in, it, in, in the things his father David had dedicated, the silver and the gold and the furnishings, and he placed them in the treasuries of the Lord's temple. And it says, then King Solomon in, verse eight, in chapter 8 summoned into his presence at Jerusalem the elders of Israel, all the heads of the tribes and the chiefs of the Israelite families to bring the ark of the Lord's covenant from Zion, the city of David. All the Israelites came together to King Solomon at the time of the festival in the month of Ethanim, the seventh month. And here's what it says in verse 10 as we move down to it. And it says, when the priests withdrew from the holy place, the cloud filled the temple of the Lord, and the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled his temple. I want to pray here. Father, today, I thank you for your word. And Lord, I pray that today you would open our eyes to see, our ears to hear, our hearts to receive, God, everything that you have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. When I was in college, I used to like to have a bit of fun. And my friends and I, who lived in the dormitories, would pull a few pranks here and there. Yeah, I was one of those guys. And one evening, we snuck into one of the other dorms and lit off some firecrackers. Now that is an amazing way to wake up for somebody at 2 a.m., would you agree? Now, the only problem was this, as the firecrackers went off, there was so much smoke that you could not see anything. And it was so bad, we almost couldn't find the exit to get out of the dormitory that we were pranking. I love what it says here. And the glory of the Lord filled his temple. Have you ever been in a place where there was such fog or smoke or, or things that you, you just couldn't see it? Maybe you had a, a cooking accident, uh, something got burnt. Or maybe somebody did light something on fire that they shouldn't have. The Bible says that the glory filled the temple. You see, as the people gathered and the sacrifices were made in celebration of the building of the Lord's temple, the Shekinah glory, which is the manifest presence of God, filled the temple. I believe for them it would have been exhilarating and, and overwhelming at the same time. They would have had awe and almost like, whoa, what's going on here? As the people had never seen or witnessed the manifest presence of God in their lifetime. The Bible says that the glory cloud was so thick that the temple priests were no longer able to do their service or their work. Everything stopped as the glory of God descended. Oh, that we might, not, it might experience that glory in this place. Who would like to see the glory of God's presence come into this place? But we have to understand what made this building and temple more spectacular than any other building on earth was that it it was made to house God's glory. The temple of Solomon was designed to house God's glory so that the world would know there was no other God like Jehovah. It was built so that the nations would be able to see and experience God's awesome wonder. 
And it was meant to draw people together to worship so that all might be saved. But here is the issue. We have to understand this. As great as Solomon's temple was, as great as the the temple that was built to house the presence of the Lord, no man-made structure was ever meant to contain or hold the glory of God. You see, as I shared last week, God only looks to dwell in living things. In the temple in Jerusalem, just like animal sacrifices, was only meant to be a temporary solution because God always had another plan for where he wanted to live as well as who or what would hold his glory. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul talks about this building. Paul refers to it. And let's look there in verse chapter 3, verse 10. It says, because of God's grace to me, I have laid a foundation like an expert builder. Now others are building on it, but whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials. Gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person has any val- work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. Don't you realize that all together, all of you together, are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God lives in you? God will destroy anyone who destroys this temple, for God's temple is holy and you are that temple. Over the years, I've had the privilege of being able to travel to many different places around the world. And one of my favorite places to visit, I've been there four or five times, is the city-state of Hong Kong. Uh, I think Hong Kong is a very interesting place. It's called the Manhattan of the Orient for its similarities to New York with its massive skyscrapers, uh, high-end shops, congested streets filled with 24-hour activities. It's It's like New York. It's a town that never sleeps. If you're in Hong Kong, you can find food, things to do all the time. But one of the highlights of going to Hong Kong is to be able to shop at the night market. If you've ever been there, it's a great place where you can barter for things and you can, you can look at all sorts of items. In the night market of Hong Kong, there's almost anything you can imagine from television sets to, uh, to video cameras, watches, shoes, clothing, anything that you can imagine, perfume, cologne, it's all there. But here's what you have to understand, that not everything is authentic. And so you have to have a good eye and, and to understand certain things. And, and, and I believe that this is a truth that we all should believe in and follow. If something seems too good to be true, it probably is. And so I remember as I was going through the market that I found a Swiss army watch. I always wanted one of them. And at home, they were going for about $200. They were nice. It was a great thing. And 
So we started, and the, the bartering started at $100, which, well, that was a good deal. But by the time I was done, I got the watch for 20 bucks. Now, even if it wasn't the real thing, it's still $20. You can't probably go too wrong with that, could you? Well, it was great. It was a great watch. It looked cool. It, was, it, it did all of the right things until uh, about a month later. <laughs> I noticed that when I removed the watch from my wrist that my arm was turning green. <laughs> Who here thinks that's probably not a good sign? Needless to say, I got rid of that watch. It was a cheap Im imitation. <laughs> As Paul begins to teach in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 10. He, said, he shares that through God's grace and guidance, that as an expert builder, he has laid the perfect foundation, Jesus Christ. What he's saying here is, look, there, there, there's nothing that can compare to the real thing. There's nothing that, is, that you can deal with that's better than the original, the authentic. You see, there's nothing more reliable or immovable as Jesus, he is the rock, the chief cornerstone, the Bible says. And this is what I got. He says, I don't need, have anything to build upon but Jesus. This is what I got. This is all that there is. Because he says, because what I've been entrusted to build is of the highest value. Of the most premium quality and of the greatest importance. I've been called to build people. I've been called to build people into the image and character of Jesus. I've been called to build his kingdom by building his church. And they can't be built with cheap Im imitations like man-made philosophies. They cannot be rep replaced by money or by fortune. They cannot be filled with unforgiveness and hatred because they have been made in my image, in my likeness, for my good pleasure, says God. So God says to Paul, these are my people, so build carefully. Teach them carefully and accurately to, to love my ways and to seek my truth because nothing else will last. You see, as I shared last week, there are many foundations that we can build our lives upon. There are many things that we can pursue in our lives, but none of them, none of them are going to last except for Jesus and his word. Well, that is Jesus and his word and people. You see, everything we possess that is not Jesus or his word will not last. And like my cheap watch, will fall apart and fade away. You see, I believe this, that we must build on Jesus, the real thing. Now, there's a simplicity and a purity when we realize that the only way for success in our lives is Jesus. There's no other foundation but Jesus. There's no answer but Jesus. I love that about being in, in Sunday school and Bible college. You know, you can do really well in Bible college if you just put that the answer is who? Jesus. That's pretty, it's kind of all leads to it, doesn't it? Um, there's no other truth but Christ in me. Which is why Matthew wrote in Matthew 6.33, a portion of scripture we all know, or many of us know, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all other things will be added to you. See, I believe God has called us to 
understand that when we're building, we're called to build people to be like Jesus. That he's called us to a place of purity. The reason it is important to understand this is because we've been designed as human beings, as children of God, to carry God's glory. You see, the temple that Solomon built that was worth over $400 billion today has no comparison to you and me. We're the greatest thing that God ever created. We are his, the most incredible possession that he made. Do you know that, for those of you that are here, that each one of us was made in his image and his likeness? We together are his temple. It says that at the end of, in verse 16 of 1 Corinthians 3. And we as individuals are the house of the Holy Spirit. And because of this, we need to be continually purified and refined. I appreciate the word that was given this morning. It's a confirmation. I didn't know what Kathy was going to share. Kathy didn't know what I was going to be preaching on. You see, it's important that we are continually purified and refined. Because why? Because God requires purity, not because he's a killjoy. You know, there's a lot of people that say, you know, if you're really going to get excited about God, you've got to stay away from the church because the church is just a place, you know, there's just a lot of rules and, and all these rules and all these things that you have to follow. You see, it's not because he's a father who wants to keep us from having fun. But God has his word. He's given it to us and he wants us to f- pursue it and, and, and consume it and live it out because he desires to release his power and glory through us. You see, God has designed you to carry his glory. See, in his glory is healing. In his glory is deliverance. In his glory is salvation and freedom. But to carry the Shekinah glory, and Shekinah is just the Hebrew word for glory in the Old Testament. For God, we must allow... God's holy fire to destroy anything and everything that is not Jesus inside of us so that the fire doesn't destroy us. Because only those things that are of God, when it's all said and done, will remain. You know, a lot of times I have people saying, Pastor Todd, why don't we see more of God's glory? Why don't we see more of God's presence in the church? And I want to share this with you. God will not release his glory through the casual, they're compromised because it will harm them. You see, when the power of God begins to, to come in a, in a mightier way, if, we, if, we don't, if we're not in a place where we've allowed God to deal with those things in our life, deal with those things in our heart, if our foundation isn't good, it will harm you. God, why are you holding back in this area? Because of his grace and his mercy. And I got to be honest when we talk about choosing to go through the fire, which I believe God's called each of us to do, that I don't like the fire. I don't like the pressure. I don't like the purification process of self-discipline or suffering and other challenges. You see, God allows us to walk through things. Why? To purify us, to grow us, to strengthen us so that we can stand strong 
with his anointing and with his glory. You see, but I know this, the fire is necessary to burn off those things that don't belong in my life. And it's necessary not only for me, but for us, the church, to release his glory to the world around us. See, we're called to shine. I want to tell you this. You are called to shine for God. We have been built for glory, to carry and release the presence of God to everyone around us. And we've been fitted as a church to shine the light of his goodness, his truth, and his mercy. Matthew 5, 14 says, You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. God doesn't want to be hidden. God wants to be manifested. God wants to be released. God wants to change things. God wants to to make a difference in our lives, in our city, in our province, in our nation, around the world. God's desiring, but he's saying, I need people who are able to carry my presence and my glory. So how will people see God's glory in us? Well, through you and I serving one another in love. Through you and I revealing Jesus through our devotion to his word, the way that we love his word, the way that we we love what he's called us to. Through you and I walking in the fullness of the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, we've been appointed to be a glorious church because the glorious church is crowded with glory-filled people. What our world needs so that they will be drawn to his hope, his healing, and his salvation. I'm going to close here today. And I want to ask some questions as the Holy Spirit leads here today. And the question that we all must ask ourselves, I don't know who's coming to the keyboard, is will you allow Jesus to fill you with his presence today? Do you want more of Jesus in your life? And I know the easy answer, we're in church, we're we're around church people, is we always say, yes, yes, that's what I want. But the question is, are you willing to say, God, bring your fire into my life to remove anything that doesn't belong there? Jesus, I want all of you, not just some of you. Are you willing to let him refine you so that you can carry more of his power? Are you hungry for him? You see, today I believe that God's here with us. He wants to take us as a, to a new place. I know that we're in a new season in this church. And the Lord has been challenging me to, to, to preach more boldly, to say, come on, let's go to this next place that God has called us in him. And I believe that today God wants to, to use us to carry his glory and his presence. But we have to say, yes, God. Work in me whatever you desire so that I can carry your glory. For someone here today, you're hearing for the, maybe the first time, God wants to live in you. 
You are God's most precious creation. You hold so much value. But he wants to live in you, change you so that you will carry his glory to others. I believe God is speaking to somebody in this place today. But I also believe he's speaking to another group of people. There are many who don't believe God can use you. You somehow think, well, that, that's for other people, or, 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 or maybe I'm not in the, the place that I should be, but here I hear the Spirit of the Lord saying today, God says, I want to come and reside in you and manifest my glory through you. You were designed to be the light of the 